Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I chat with Erica Fisher. The Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. So Erica is someone that I had seen over on Instagram and I love what she is um, posting and putting out there into the world. And so I wanted to check her out a little more and I looked at her website and thought she would be an amazing guest, which she was. So we are going to talk a little bit about yoga and I have not had anyone who talk about yoga in a while. So um, I'm super excited to kind of chat a little bit about that. And her specialty in particular is dealing with addiction and recovery. So we kind of talk about her. Um, she actually has a facility that she co-owns with her husband in California. And so we talk about her treatment center that she has and just some of the transformations that she's seen um, in the last three years with her treatment center. And we really chat about um, how to kind of push through that those boundaries or those past old stories that we have trouble letting go of and how you can kind of bring a little bit more fire and compassion into your life. So without further ado, here is today's episode with Erica. Welcome to the Peaceful Power podcast. Today I have Erica Fisher on with me and I'm super excited to chat um, yoga because I have not talked a lot about yoga lately and um, you know just kind of that side of the health and wellness space. So I'm going to kind of throw it over to Erica and Tell us a little about yourself and how you discovered your passion for yoga. Mm. Well, I'm so excited to, to be on with you. Thank you so much for, for asking me. And I'm super excited too. And it sounds like you and I have a lot in common. And mm -hmm. that's always fun to find, you know, like a soul sister. That, yes. <laughs> you just like drop right in. So, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like there's so much. So I, um, I, I, th I think I heard from your previous podcast that you were kind of an athlete and you did, you know, sports and that was really your jam. Yep. Was that was, okay, cool. I, I didn't just make that up. So <laughs> nope, that that, was me. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, cool. And, and that was really me too. And, um, you know, throughout my high school years, I, I really fell into sports and I fell into some other things too, that weren't so positive, but, you know, I really was able to find an outlet in, you know, movement and, and sports and the camaraderie that comes along with that. And I just really loved that. And, um, you know, like that was the physical aspect of that was just something that I right away connected to and was able to find, um, just really solace from, from some of the things that were happening in my life kind of simultaneously, simultaneously at the same time. And, um, I love, lost my mom when I was pretty young and I was about 13 and mm -hmm. from, from a long battle with cancer and kind of right around the same time I found, um, you know, I had also, like I had mentioned, I found this kind of solace in sports, but then I, I also found solace in drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just so interesting. Like both of those things provided such, like for me, it was just such an escape mm -hmm. and, um, you know, so unfortunately the drugs and alcohol kind of like took over everything in, in my life and, you know, the, the sports and that kind of physical activity was really pushed to the side and, um, took a backseat to, to the drugs and alcohol. And, um, I kind of started having consequences immediately and, um, and that kind of carried through my teenage years and into my early adulthood until, I was about 21 and I just had 
you know, this is such like a, sh- a brief <laughs> smushing of, <laughs> of my story, but, um, but yeah, so I mean, addiction is just such a huge part of my story and, and really like my yoga journey and what ultimately brought me into the yoga room was just being so broken and, um, like just having, feeling like I had nothing, you know, internally, externally, like I just had nothing. So when someone, when a coworker was like, Hey, you know, we should go to yoga. I was like, what, you know, okay. I have no idea kind of what, what that even meant. I'd never done Bikram yoga before. Like I said, I'd, I'd always kind of been like a sports gal. I played hockey, soccer, and um, lacrosse. And so I, I kind of like dug, I dug that. So I was like, okay, well I'll, I'll try it. And, um, and I just immediately, I mean, I don't know if you've ever practiced Bikram before, but it is like, that's when I have in, not. Oh my God. You, you have to, you have to try it. I mean, <laughs> it's like immediately when you step into the room, like there's a number of factors that you're like immediately like WTF, um, <laughs> because it's so hot. It's, it's hot and humid. And, and most of the people in the room are like barely dressed so that, you know, for me, like I, uh, I really struggled, like I said, with addiction from drugs and alcohol, but I also had this gnarly eating disorder for, um, that started when I was about 18. And, mm. and so walking into this room, like I was fully clothed. Cause I, like I said, I had no idea what I was about to expect or like what, what was coming. And most of the people in the room were like scantily clad, you know, and it was just, and it was just, but at the same time, it was like such a welcoming and like, you know, it was like, it wasn't a big deal. You know, Mm -hmm. people were just really there. Like the space that was created, um, was really welcoming and it was just something I'd never experienced before. So my Mm -hmm. yoga journey, you know, I had all these really, um, big struggles happening in my life. Um, like that I just so, so quickly brushed over, but it was really, um, you know, my whole life for the most part had been rocked so deeply by, by these things and stepping into the yoga room and experiencing just this really cathartic, um, connection to myself and, uh, like that camaraderie that I mentioned in, in team sports, like yoga, the the community that, you know, was at the yoga studio that I was attending, like, I just found, I found a second home. And ultimately, that was some, that was what really spurred my passion and my interest in becoming an instructor myself. Hmm. So long story short, (laughs) that's, that's what really got me going with yoga. And I just, you know, like, I really experienced such a profound shift on so many different levels. Um, through my practice and, and through the little slow, um, changes that started to happen that I I wasn't even fully aware of, you know, over the course of them happening. But I just, I I experienced such a profound shift that I was like, I really, this is what I want to do. Like, there was just no question. Like, this is what I feel like I'm called to be able to share with other people. If, If I can be a part of someone else's transformation in, in even like the smallest way that I experienced, I mean, that's just like, to me, that's like a purposeful life for me. Mm. Yes. And I think that, um, you know, just being that outlet for you, like sports being an outlet, I think is so common. And then, I mean, the same thing with the drugs. So that's easily can be seen, especially at a young age. And, 
you know, with, you know, the passing of your mom, like that had to have been super intense. So, you know, I can see how people can easily go down that path and just wanting to numb out. Is there any way with like yoga that you found that you kind of can help people maybe not necessarily numb out, but, you know, help them deal with maybe some of these struggles that they're going through? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that with addiction specifically, like the name of the game for me was, was to numb out, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, and those feelings of fear and sadness and overwhelm that, you know, I was experiencing, it was like the name of the game was to not feel any of those things. And, you know, with the, with the eating disorder, same thing. It's like, what can I throw at these emotions and feelings to make them go away? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that's true for people with addiction, but it's, it's also true for (laughs) many people just in the world, you know, Mm -hmm. addiction or not. And, um, especially with all the crazy stuff happening in the world today, it's like yoga, we have an opportunity to really, to really like slow it down and, and, and take what you need, you know, and experience what you need. And maybe you don't know what you need. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. you know, yoga has a way, yoga and meditation has a way of really like discovering that for you and, and finding that peace and calmness and, and ultimately connection. And when I stepped into the yoga room, like all of those things were not what I was looking for. You know, <laughs> like I didn't know that that was a byproduct of just showing up mm-hmm. and, um, you know, getting quiet and listening. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's slow, but it's, that's the magic of, of yoga. And I think that's, that's been the magic for me for sure. Yeah. I think that's so true. I read an article um, and I don't remember where it was from, but they had talked about just women in general now, or I think it might've been directed more towards moms, this article, but it was talking about wanting to numb out in terms of having a glass or two of wine every night to forget the day or, Um, you know, becoming social norms. And then same thing with like always eating, you know, like just here, let's have this instead. And it was kind of interesting reading that article. And at the end, it said, if you're triggered by any of this, you might need to look at some of these habits that you were triggered by. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. I think that's so true for many of us, you know, that we try to numb out in so many different ways. And I think that's one of the reasons, like when I have clients, like really not wanting to do yoga, I'm like, you really need to get into yoga because they have to sit then with their stuff. And so like, some of those classes, they're like, like the yin where you have to sit and hold poses mm. and you're, they don't mm. want to be in their heads. They want to <laughs> know what's going on. But I'm like, mm-hmm. you, so you can kind of sort some of this out, you know, and then that's kind of where they're like, okay, you know, maybe, um, you know, I'll step into the comforts of a class, maybe more so than at home. Cause you know, at home, typically we're not going to hold a pose that long, or we're going to be like, well, laundry to do, or this to do, mm-hmm. you know, and get distracted. So I think that's something that I've seen too, with, you know, just like, sitting in your stuff while you're going to a yoga class can be hard for people. Oh my gosh. So hard. (laughs) How do you kind of go about bridging? Do you bridge that gap or how do you encourage people to kind of step over that hump that may be kind of, I guess, taking them away from wanting to go to that first class because they don't want to sit with their stuff? Well, I mean, I think like the the same question could be asked for meditation. Like how Mm. do you, you know, meditation is so hard and like any, any like many of us get like just getting there to whatever it is is like 95% of the battle um and I think you know it can be challenging just like you're saying for a lot of people and and whatever the aversion is like whatever that is that's coming up for you um I think that you know just to 
to go and to figure out like, maybe it won't be for you, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's okay. Like yoga might not be for everybody and that's totally fine. Meditation might not be for everybody, but, but it's important, I think, to find what it is that works for you to be able to connect, you know, or to, or to be present, right. To like, and to, you know, to disconnect from, social media or you know mm. your phone or your emails or just having a space something that provides an outlet for you you know and and that doesn't have to be yoga it doesn't you know i think like there's it's it doesn't have to be rigid and black and white it can be fluid and and roomy right it's like anything that works for you to be able to feed your soul and really you know like you were talking about avoidance like what what is it that helps us to to get to get either get quiet or help us to channel some of the, the emotions and stuff, the difficulties, the challenges of, of life, motherhood, you know, jobs, whatever relationships, there's lots of different ways to be able to do that. Um, and I think just having something is important. Mm, yes. Yeah. And I think that too, like bringing the presence to your life, I think is huge. Cause I think again, because of social media and our phones, just our phones have everything now. So it's, I have found, cause I'm on a yogi detox or I'm trying a three week one. And it's not only like kind of eating, but it's also habits. And one of my habits was just to be on my phone less. And I Ugh. found yesterday I was like <laughs> wanting to grab it so bad, you know, just like my, just out of habit, not necessarily to do anything. It's not like I wanted to do like, just maybe scroll or click on my usual apps, open things up and then like, okay, next app. I'm like, oh my gosh, like just yes. your hands. That is hilarious. I mean, ha- like how many, I guarantee you that like whoever's listening to this is like nodding their head, like, oh my God, me too, girl. So yes. Oh. yes, I mean, it's just such a part of our lives, you know, and you know, my, my husband is just, God bless him. He's just so not into it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he provides for me just such a, like a reminder to, it's like, put it down. I'm like, okay you know, it's like, what do we have in front of us? I have this beautiful two and a half year old son. And and it's like, at the end of the day, what's the most important thing? The most important thing is family, our health and well, you know, wellness and social media has its place for sure. But, you know, it's, it's just, you know, like being curious about the relationship with that has been something that I've been kind of exploring and you know, and allowing ourselves to be bored. Cause I think sometimes we don't like, in oh line. you know, just being like, okay, just be in line. You don't need to get your phone out. Like just sit and maybe smile. Yes. With someone. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like make a connection with someone that yes. you're standing next to. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh yes. I can totally relate to that. Oh, um, so I want to talk a little bit. I know you have a drug and alcohol outpatient treatment center and I want yeah. you to tell us a little bit about that and what kind of transformations have you seen through the treatment center? Oh my gosh. Well, really that's, that was why we started it was just, you know, on the basis of really just wanting to help people. Um, both my husband and I have been in recovery for a long time and we saw a need, we saw people falling through the cracks Mm -hmm. and we, we wanted to be able to provide something for people to, to, to heal and recover and just, and, and be seen, right? Like that's, and, and just, um, and feel supported. So we started Safe Passage Recovery about three years ago, and it's a certified intensive outpatient treatment center um, based in my hometown, or not my hometown, but but where I live in Marin County uh, in the Bay Area. And clients experience 
a unique, it's a 12 week model, the, the uh, intensive outpatient treatment centers, 12 weeks, and it includes every aspect of our, of our lives, right? Of our human condition, biological, so psychological, social, and spiritual. And we integrate all of those things um, aspects of our lives with the success principles. So I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but Jack Canfield um, is one of my mentors and he is just an incredible force. Um, and he wrote this, this book called the success principles that I absolutely love. Um, a good one. Yeah. So we integrate, we integrate the success principles to form what we call the identity transformation model, which is the 12 weeks that clients go through. Um, and, and throughout the course of the 12 weeks, the, the weeks are broken down into to three consecutive weeks each. So each of the three-week segments is focused specifically on the biological, psychological, social, and spiritual aspects of our clients' lives, which is just so, it's so important and valuable to be able to really break down how each of those things shows up um, in our addictions and in our lives, in our relationships. And the format allows for clients to have exposure to information in a consistent manner, um, which really helps like learning and understanding and the application of information to each individual, individual experience. But I think most, the most profound thing for me that I've been able to witness as being a part of this is, is just, is what you said, is, is witnessing the transformations of the people, the clients that, that, that have graduated from our program. And, you know, interestingly enough, I, um, I actually ran into, I ran into not long ago, one of our clients that graduated probably, I would say eight months ago. And, um, and I, I, we ran into each other and I just was totally taken aback with how much this person has completely changed mm -hmm. in, in every possible way. And just was just beaming, like completely shining and, um, you know, like doing the deal, like just be like living, you know, and doing like the normal things that, that we do, like going to the store and, um, you know, just, it's just incredible to be able to see people's lives change and, you know, that the people's eyes brighten. I mean, over the course of the 12 weeks of, of going through this, all this information with people and really, um, helping them explore their relationship with, with these things that really, you know, don't serve and are really detrimental to their health and wellness and relationships, um, seeing just shifts and breakthroughs and relationships change, you know, and, um, it's just an incredible, it's just an incredible thing to be a part of. Mm. And then how, how long have you guys had this treatment center? Um, three years. Three years. Have you had any like, um, you know, other people who come back later and they're like, oh my gosh, this completely rocked my world. I'm completely changed from this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, all we ever want is for people to be able to, to go back into their lives, like better human beings and to, you know, be able to do the things that they want and they love. And, and, and that's, you know, that's, ultimately what we do is we help people really transition back into, you know, their families, their lives, their jobs, all of those things. And, and absolutely. I mean, there's just been so many stories of people graduating and really thriving. And that's like, that's why we do what we do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, 
That's one thing that um, when I was taking my yoga teacher training, we had to do a like a community service kind of act. And my class chose to go to the prison, a women's prison center. And um, mm. I couldn't go because I was super pregnant. And so they're like, ah, safety reasons just probably shouldn't have you come. So I was not able to go. But uh, my classmates were all like, this was amazing. Like they wanted mm -hmm. to continue afterwards because they just saw everyone in there. At first were a little skeptical when they kind of came into this, you know, place of they're like, is this going to be okay? You know? And then all of a right. sudden after week one, they were like, oh my gosh, this is a great space. It's a safe space for me. And they really saw them blossom over the, I think they were there mm -hmm. six weeks, you know? And I'm like, oh gosh, that's such an amazing experience to have. And, you know, just to kind of hold that space for people who might not know that this is what they need, but really can change their lives. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally puts things in perspective too. Yes. And so that's something that I think that the long-term results, you know, through yoga and meditation, um, you know, can be seen no matter obviously who you are, but what have you seen for, you know, helping people maybe who are struggling with addictions in particular, having those long-term yoga and meditation goals? Um, you know, are you having them maybe start with yoga first and then ease into meditation or vice versa? Well, I, um, with our safe passage clients, for example, we, when I teach them yoga and meditation, I actually just start with meditation. And, mm -hmm. and when I say meditation, it's really like breath work. And, um, I do a lot of guided meditations and, and honestly, like it's, it's, it is, it's challenging. It is challenging. I see it being challenging for clients and, um, for, for people in general. And I think the only way to, to really kind of break through that, uh, challenge with whether it's you know yoga or meditation is just is practice you know and and ultimately over time it becomes easier and even even though it is challenging the the benefits that that they say they feel from meditation specifically in breath work is is inc is incredible like it's such a, an effective way to be able to shift from you know whether it's anxiety or feeling overwhelmed or just you know, in the cotton obsessive thinking, all of those things, it's, it's a really quick way to be able to shift into, you know, more calm, present breath. Um, and that, I mean, that's like an immediate result, right. Of, mm -hmm. of doing meditation and breath and over a long term, I mean, what I've experienced meditation is just, is it was really challenging. It's still a challenge sometimes. I mean, just with we can all relate to just being super busy and having full full lives and jobs and kids and um and meditation has kind of transformed from being something that I could literally only do for a, mi a minute you know like <laughs> yes I did it for a minute you know and sometimes like sometimes it is a minute and that's okay you know not having expectations around what it's going to look like but the long-term results and effects of having a regular yoga and meditation practice are just, you know, it's, it's like that immediate feeling of, of, of calm, you know, and gratitude really like it's, it's, I'm much more likely to be able to shift into a space of gratitude when I'm, when I'm practicing, you know, when I'm doing my daily practices of yoga and meditation. And um, it's really a great way to change perspective. Like we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's key too. Like just the breath work. I tell people that too who have maybe stressful jobs. And I'm like, hey, just take a second to just kind of breathe at your desk. Or I have some clients now who just do legs up the wall and they just kind of sit oh my God. calm themselves down because they're like, I need <laughs> yes. something like this. So I'm like, yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really struggle with anxiety and, mm-hmm. you know, it's so funny. Like, you know, up until I had my son, I had never, I didn't even know what anxiety was. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. And, and obviously like I've heard clients and uh, friends have, have had a really hard time with anxiety and I've, I just never knew what, what that meant. And then after having my son, I had really bad postpartum anxiety just show up out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was really like one of those things where I had to put the things that I've been suggesting to other people into practice. Mm. Um, and, and breath work is one of those things. I mean, anxiety, if you've ever experienced it is just, it can be debilitating, absolutely debilitating. And breath work has been one of the only things that I've really felt like, like helps, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. And, um, and I just have such compassion and, and just, you know, like I get it. <laughs> Yeah. You struggle. I get it. And I, and I feel you. And, you know, I can say that, that breath work meditation, I mean, those are the things that have really, you know, really been helpful for me. Mm. Yeah. I have quite a few clients who um, will battle anxiety and some after having uh, babies as well. And that was one that, you know, just trying to help calm them down. Cause you know, sometimes, cause I just told them, I'm like, just focus on your breath. And she was like, I heard you when I was having like a anxiety attack. And I was just sitting there thinking, okay, Andrew, it's like practice my breath work, you know? And I'm like, oh, and then you yeah. know, you're just trying to do what you can. And I'm like, oh, like that I have never personally experienced, but that is something that I know um, so many do. And just finding those practices mm-hmm. that work for you and like just having mm-hmm. them. And that's why um, I think saying them over and over, like I might sound like a broken record to some of my clients, but like telling them, over and over, then in those times where you're really stressed out, you can be like, okay, no, I've heard her say this a thousand times and you can easily pull mm-hmm. from some strategies. So that's some of the, some of the reasons that, you know, you can repeat yourself and, um, you know, people will find it useful. So that's the tip mm-hmm. for any of the teachers out there that if you do sound like a broken record, <laughs> trust me, it does help in the moment. It is you never know when someone's going to hear what you're saying. Yeah, sure. exactly. Exactly. So talking about teaching styles, I do want to talk about yours. Because I love that um, on your website, you talked about incorporating both fire and compassion in your yoga teaching. I, I mean, I love that balance. It's just kind of that, it's kind of like the peaceful power you're bringing in both sides. So how do you kind of do that in your teachings? Yeah, well, I'm just so in- incredibly grateful to be able to do what I do and because I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, to be able to, to witness shifts, both big and small in my students is just such a gift. Um, and honestly, you never know what someone is bringing into the yoga room. Room, you know, or why they're there. Um, and I think by creating a container uh, and a safe, challenging space, both safe and challenging for students to show up however they need to for however long classes is such a powerful thing. And, um, and being able to really, like, I, I can tell typically when, when to pull back a little bit and really, oops, and really um, provide more of that nurturing compassion Hmm. in my teaching and and also fire like I there are times when I just love 
you know, I love a good, when I say fire, like challenge, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's like, like, I just, I love a good sweat. And for me, that's how I really connect to, you know, to, to source really and get out of my head and um, to be able to provide that kind of space and challenge and, and know, you know, know, like you were talking about when to provide that balance between the nurturing and the, and the challenge and the, and the pushing really Mm -hmm. Um, to be able to have both, I think is, is, is awesome. And that's just, that's what I love to be able to, to kind of teach to and, and see and um, provide for students. Yes. And that's something that I think like, that's when, you know, you have like someone who's really in tune with their class or with their clients, if they can kind of read, you know, if someone says they're okay, but you're like, I don't know, maybe we need to switch gears and do this today. You know, those are always something that I think as a teacher that is super helpful to kind of tune into what's going on and not just kind of go through with what you originally thought they should do for whatever you were going to do for class that day. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you have to throw it out the window. Yeah. And that's right. I don't always see that being done, but the teachers that can do it, those are the classes that you always, you want to go back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think people, including myself, just want to be seen, you know? Yes. um, That is just such a, that's such a powerful thing that I think people appreciate. Yeah. I, yeah. I had just heard a a podcast with Oprah and that was what their guest said. They're like, I just wanted to be seen. And um, like Mm -hmm. the mom wasn't seeing the child and then he grew up and had some issues. And I was like, that mm-hmm. is interesting. You know, he's like, that's ultimately what I found out years later. That's what I was striving for. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is, that's a good point. Cause I think everyone is the same. Everyone just wants to be seen and heard and acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So then Absolutely. I want to talk about um, kind of switching gears into how we can kind of find our highest self. So on your website, you had a letting go of stories as we lose sight of our highest self. Um, I want to talk about some tips for releasing those stories that are no longer serving us. Cause I think this is something that, um, you know, some people do naturally well, and then others just cannot get rid of maybe a story that they just keep telling themselves over and over. Oh my God, girl. Yeah. That was me for a really long time, you know? And, um, I was completely and utterly defined by the fact that I'd lost my mom when I was Mm -hmm. 13. And, you know, it was like, I carried it around with me like a heavy jacket, you know, and, and I brought it into every situation and every conversation and, you know, in some way or another and was completely victim to it. And not to say that it wasn't an awful, you know, totally traumatic experience because it was, but I was, I felt helpless to it. I felt helpless to the emotions and and the situation, the circumstances around, around the situation. And ultimately it defined who I was. And I began to realize that, that I, I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim to the story, but rather um, I'm really responsible for how I show up in the world around this and, and using, I have the opportunity, I had the opportunity to use this, struggle in particular and these emotions that I'd been dealing with this addiction drugs and alcohol and kind of how that was a really great coping mechanism for me um through that experience and I I had I recognized that I had an opportunity to really be able to help other people 
you know, and I think a lot of times for many of us, we really feel like we're just completely unique in our struggles. Mm -hmm. Like we're the only, like for me, I just, I felt like I was the only one, Mm -hmm. like you you don't understand, you know, Mm -hmm. and really the truth is, is that there's so many people, unfortunately, that have experienced tremendous loss, Mm -hmm. you know, and heartbreak and, um, you know, losing my mom was probably the greatest heartbreak that I'll ever, you know, that I've experienced in my entire life. But there's been a number of people that I've been able to really help through that heartbreak, you know, with my own, with my own experience. And I think, you know, our highest selves, that to me is really like, is really being able to connect with my intuition and my soul's purpose, you know, like what, why am I here on this planet and what, what do I have to offer? And when I'm stuck in being a victim to circumstance and, you know, tragedy, trauma, I, I'm completely cut off from those, from being able to tap into to my passions and, and putting myself out there. I mean, a huge part of my story has been, um, like walking through fear Um, because along with like many of us, along with the story that I'd been carrying around was this, I'm not good enough. And, you know, I'll, I'm just, I'm not good enough. And that is, it just, it was like a a corrosive thread that kind of went through my entire life and really halt, like prevented me from taking risks and putting myself out there. And like, I think many of us can relate to if, if, you know, being held back is, by whatever it is. Um, so I, I think for me, the greatest tip that I could give is, um, is first of all, talking about whatever it is, talking about it. Because for me, it was like such a, I, I pushed it down so deep and I, I just thought that it was something that I could bury. And then it ultimately just completely, it just was, it like took me over you know, and it it prevented me from, from doing the things that I really wanted to do until I had this kind of moment where I'm like, I can't, like, I'm not a victim, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it doesn't have to be like that. Um, so the, the tips that I would suggest is, is really, you know, being honest about kind of the stuff that comes up for you around whatever it, whatever your story is, you know, and for many of us, it's moving through the story through just talking about it. And, um, and, and for me, like the biggest tips I think that was most relevant for me was putting myself in uncomfortable situations because to combat this idea that I wasn't good enough, it was, I had to take the contrary action, like kind of fake it until I made it. <laughs> mm you know, and like acting as if, like acting as if I am confident and acting as if, you know, just kind of putting myself out there. And, and also like, you know, being of service, you know, being of service to people. Like I've had a couple friends who have lost their moms and uh, just, you know, had loss and um, really being like being of service to someone else. Mm-hmm. And, and really kind of being able to see like getting into that kind of space of gratitude of, of like I'm living and breathing and I have people that love me. And, you know, it's like, we have so much to be grateful for around our lives. And, and even though we've 
experienced, I've experienced trauma and hardship and all that other stuff. Like we all have, mm-hmm. there's, um, tremendous gratitude to be found. So a couple tips, I would say, find someone, maybe someone that you feel like you can trust and, and just speak, like be, show up honestly about, you know, whatever it is that you're carrying that feels really heavy. Um, and that's kind of where I think it, the road will start. Um, and, and putting yourself out there, putting yourself out there, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Like if you really want to be a yoga teacher, maybe, but are terrified of, you know, getting up in front of people, which was a little bit my story. Um, maybe, maybe it's beginning to kind of look, look at what, like, what are my options here? Like, if you know in your heart that you're meant to be doing something, but you're afraid, like it's time to take some action. Um, and, and what, what's going to happen when that action starts is you're going to realize that you're not going to die by taking, you know, it's like fear that, that, uh, being scared of standing up in front of people or taking a risk or whatever it is like you're, you're going to, you're going to survive, right? Like mm-hmm. when you walk through the fear, you're going to get to the other side and be like, Oh my God, I am still breathing. That was really uncomfortable, but I'm still, <laughs> I'm still here, <laughs> you know, and then you're stronger for it. That's, um, that's been my experience for sure. Yes. I like that in the fake it till you make it. Cause I think that's, that is something that we kind of do. And like, even if you don't feel confident, like maybe getting up in front of the group, like just being like, okay, I know I have to kind of be on because people are staring at me. And usually if I'm not on, then people who are staring at you become uncomfortable themselves. So you're like, okay. <laughs> like, cause I've had, I had to do that my first, well now over 10 years ago, my first group fitness class. And I was like, Okay, if I'm awkward, yeah. <laughs> you really have to just be like, okay, even if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm going to pretend like I do and just go for it. And that's yes. what my attitude was towards like everything with, you know, speaking in front of people or doing stuff like that. I'm like, I'm just going to pretend like I know what I'm doing. And then, you know, yoga teacher training, I'm like, okay, everyone's like, well, you're a trainer, you know, the anatomy. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm the yoga side. Like, this is what I'm learning how to be, you know, a little bit more easeful and not so push yeah. heavy, you know? So I'm like, yep. I had to try to drop into that. And so it was kind of an interesting thing where I'm just like, if I'm going to make a mistake, I'll do it confidently, you know? And I think sometimes we just have to like go for it and be like, if we are, you know, let's just go all out for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like to take it away from, you know, if you're not an instructor or yoga teacher or whatever, I mean, motherhood was like that for me. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, motherhood was totally, I'd never <laughs> even changed a diaper before I had my own, my own kid. And, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like such an unknown and yes. there was such, I had such fear around that. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And it was like, I just had, I knew it's like one of those things where I knew I want what I wanted in my heart was to have a family. And, um, you know, it's like having the faith to take the step forward and, and it's been one of the greatest gifts in my entire life. So mm. you just never know the strengths that are going to come out of walking through fear. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, and how else has your life changed since becoming a mom? Oh my God. In every <laughs> single possible way, <laughs> in every possible way, in every single possible way. Um, so yeah, I mean, after having Xander, I mean, I mentioned really briefly that I, I had some postpartum anxiety. I had hindsight, you know, I, um, I definitely experienced some postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And, and honestly, I, I had no idea 
that any of that either one of those things what that really meant mm. and um I can so relate. I really, yeah, I really struggled and and you know there was this it just I felt like everything around having a baby that I was seeing on social media and in our society it was like this is supposed to be the best time of my life and I was really struggling and I really had a just a really hard time and mm was really unhappy for a while. And I just couldn't, I felt so shame, so much shame around that. Um, like, why am I, why do I feel this way when this is, you know, this is supposed to be the best time of my life. And, um, you know, I actually didn't even realize that I, I, I didn't put a name to what I was feeling and experiencing until much later when, you know, like now I can look back and say, I really had postpartum and, um, so I had a really hard time, but I was able to, to get some help and, um, thankfully that, you know, I've been able to, to like enlist support around both of those things. And I've figured out the ways that that really worked for me as far as moving through anxiety, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, as far as like yoga and, um, I don't, if you, if you ever go like on my social media, I post videos sometimes of Xander and I doing yoga together so cute. and it's, it's just like the, he's just, it's, it's yoga time. Like he just loves it. He loves it. And he, you know, like I just, it's such a joy, you know, it's, and, um, it is such a joy. My husband's a fireman, so he's gone quite a bit. Mm. And, you know, Xander and I, now Xander's almost, he's a little bit over two and a half and, you know, he's just like this little person. And, um, I think, you know, I, it's easy to get caught up in, in just, life you know mm -hmm. and uh but I think he does a really good job of kind of giving me some pers perspective and just yeah. play like like being playful you know mm -hmm. being playful and having fun and getting out of myself and um yeah and just really it's like it's like being of service you know being of service to him and being the best mom that I can be and sometimes that means taking care of myself and saying, I tap out, I'm going to go to yoga. <laughs> totally. I'm going to go to yoga and take care of myself and yes. I can come back and be the best mama that I can be. And yes. um, I think that's important. Oh, it's totally, I think that was one thing. Um, once I was probably, I don't know, six months postpartum when I was like, my husband always asked me, all right, when do you want to go to yoga? Like over the weekend? Cause otherwise, you know, I couldn't during the week just because of our work schedules were opposites. And so he would always on the weekends though, make sure he asked, okay, which day do you want to go? I'll make sure I plan around it. So, um, I could go mm -hmm. to yoga cause I needed it so much just to kind of get away and get out of the house mm -hmm. and just do something yep. for me. Um, and I don't think that we always do that, especially when our, you know, young ones are really little, like just taking that hour that we might need just to kind of relax and just, even if you go to a coffee shop and just sit there by yourself and maybe read a book. Oh my gosh. So essential. So crucial. Crucial. I think. Oh. So, um, kind of wrapping up, um, I want to know where we can find you at and then where are you at in the California area again, in case anyone missed that. Uh, I'm in Marin County. It's, it's Bay Area, San Francisco. Um, and on my website, ericafisher.com, so E-R-I-K-A-F-I-S-C-H-E-R.com, um, I post my teaching schedule. I update, update that in my, my workshops. Um, and of course, you can find me on Instagram at ericafisheryoga, and I'd love to connect with you all there. Perfect. And then final question, I like to give a little weekly challenge to all the listeners. And then when I have guests on, I have you guys throw out the weekly challenge. So what would you like it to be this week? 
Uh, well, I mean, I think for me, a theme um, right now, especially with just all the craziness that's been happening in the world is, um, is getting into gratitude. And when I start my day in gratitude, the whole day is, um, it's different. You know, I can just feel the difference in my day, in my outlook, in my perspective, in my relationships. Um, so I would challenge you guys to, for the rest of the week, um, start your day with a gratitude list. Maybe that's 10 points of things that you're most grateful for in your life and just see what happens. See what happens. Give it a go. I love it. Yeah, that is something I need to get back into doing. Um, whenever I finish up my journals and then I always, if I don't reorder a new one and it doesn't say gratitude, I don't always think to do that, but it is so nice to do. So it's such a game changer, such a game changer. Yes. Thank you so much, Erica. It's been such a pleasure getting to talk with you and get to know you a little bit more. Um, and I hope that if anyone's in the area, you'll kind of check out her schedule and see if you can take a class with her. Um, otherwise, follow her on social media and, um, you know, say hi. Tell her that you loved the interview. I would love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to connect with you, Soul Sister. Yes. And um, I look forward to connecting with with all of you guys too. Mm, thank you so much. And everyone okay. go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.